The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility gaming resources. It's not another Buffalo podcast with Brando. Guess what, buddy? You're not going to earn it today. Go back home. You're not going to get it today because Josh is going to come out and kill you. I'm sorry. I'm not murderous. I'm not a murderer. John. I man, couldn't possibly man. pull off a feat that's only been pulled off once this season by, by the by great... The great Pat Caprio, picker of picks. And Pat. Picker of picks. Picker of noses. Hi, <laughs> uh, welcome back to Not Another Buffalo Podcast. Uh, I'm John. I'm here with Pat and Brando. Uh, we're a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. You can find us on Twitter at NotBuffPodcast. Wow, that's a mouthful. I can't believe I get through that every time. I usually don't. Usually I have to say it like two or three times. But how you guys doing? Living the dream, bro. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not literally the living the time. dream. There's a point in my lifetime that if you told me the Bills would have made the playoffs, I'd be like, "It's the greatest day ever." And then it did happen, and it was the greatest day ever. And now we've done it four out of five times. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm like with Pat, we're living the dream every day here. <laughs> Hell yeah! They should have called it another another playoff clinching podcast, but you know, oh, that's only true. happens I once the a opportunity year. there. But. Well, you can say it is another AFC East championship podcast next week. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Oh, dude. No, I hope, dude. Uh, there's like no reason why we should lose to the Jets, but this team deserves it. I really think they do. You know, they're coming to form. It's nice to see them piece together the the parts of their team that we've questioned throughout. Like each segment of the season, we've questioned something and in every one of these, I feel like these last few games, we've had a question answered about the team, uh, whether it would be our defense or our quarterback play or our offensive line play or our running back play, uh, even our, our receiver play. So it's and our secondary. Right. So all of these questions seem to to be getting answered as we're coming into the, the most important time of the season. Yeah, which is great because it's like, I mean, let, let's talk about running backs first because, you know, obviously at the start of the season, we had the rushing attack look very much like it did last year. And it was one of those problems that needed to get fixed and addressed in the offseason. And it looked like it hadn't. And as of late, they've strung together two good rushing performances in a row and two good performances by the offensive line. So does that give you enough confidence, you think, going into next week and obviously, more importantly, the playoffs? Do you think having Singletary be the bell cow and and him hitting his stride at the right time 
and obviously the offensive line affects this too, but Singletary, do you, do you think that he's, he's got it to get the job done now? I mean, I hope so because like, you know, this game reminded me a little bit and, and not to say that there is a single bell cow because I, I think that, you know, between Singletary and Moss, sometimes it's like when Jerry Garcia has it, you know, Bob Weir is going to play lead. And if Bob Weir has it that night, you know, Jerry's going to play rhythm. So I, I think that, you know, it, it reminds me of the New England game last year because before that we were at this exact same point where we were like, we're probably going to make the playoffs, but like Josh is going to have to throw the ball, you know, 50 times a game. And, you know, more so even than like the cam fumble, I felt like, you know, that was the point. And this week, you know, even though just, and I, I hate to say this, man, but like it, it was one of those games where, you know, him throwing the ball, like, every time he like came back after that first pick like i don't know i just had butterflies in my stomach like expecting the worst but i don't know big w it looked ugly we got it done i'm hyped yeah so i mean if you want to look at uh carry share these are singletary stats he had 23 carries for 110 and moss had five carries for 39 and that's been kind of the trend and obviously we've seen moss inactive here and there too so single uh, singletary's i don't i don't know what percentage uh, I think over 75% of the carries you'd call a bell cow back pretty yeah. much. Right. I mean, I think if you get more than 20 carries in a game, you're considered a bell cow. I think 20 is the plateau number that changes that. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to cut you off here, but I, I don't like the term bell cow. Like I just don't want one. Yeah. I, I don't think that, I, I think that that also implies that you have something like a generational talent at running back, which Singletary's looked awesome these few games. I mean, we'd be getting ahead of ourselves if we started to call him like uh, like a bell cow. But he has been getting the largest share of the carries. And I guess the question is, is that the reason? And obviously, it can't be the only reason, but do you guys think that that's the majority of the reason why the Bills running game has been effective lately? Is that No. Okay. I'm going to say no. I, I'd, I'd agree with you on that, but go, it, go ahead and tell me why. If you take a closer look at the game and I think cover one did this uh, a little bit of footage I think I saw but if you look at the secondary and the safeties and the corners from Atlanta during this game even after some of the interceptions um, maybe it's the way that they played up to this game previously in their scouting of the Bills offense Uh, Josh generally over the last three or four games has thrown a lot more passes out of the RPO look. Right. And from what you can see in the film is before the handoff to Singletary, you see the linebacker and the safeties and the corners almost always go back before they come forward. And that split second difference where they think Josh is going to pull it and throw it got that secondary back enough to single for Singletary to make some differences. So we, we've talked about it on this show a lot. Are you running to pass or are you passing to run? And I think finally we've gotten to this point where there's enough of this team on film. There's enough options on film, which is why I think this whole season has been pretty much crafted by Dable for this reason. So, so teams have to, they have to watch what the bills have put on tape and, and these Atlanta linebackers and secondary, they thought we were going to throw it out of the RPOs and Singletary took advantage of their first step going backwards and being able to, to get that extra couple yards per carry or bring the body contact. Um, but it was interesting to watch just that split second 
that Josh Allen was able to do that. And, I, and I'll have to look at that to see who actually did that film breakdown. But I know, you know, cover one guys do a good job over there for their podcast. Yeah. Especially the linebackers, you know, when it comes to, to, to interior running and stuff like that. But Pat, what do you think? Well, I agree with Brandon. I think that a lot of it too is just offensive line play improving a little bit as well. I mean, I know we got shaken up in the game. Uh, I want to say like third or fourth quarter, but until then, like Ryan Bates had really stepped in and, you know, taken on some responsibilities inside. And I, I felt like, you know, for the first time, even Spencer seemed like a little bit more composed. And I think that, you know, I, I don't know, it's one of those deals you got to give the big guys credit, you know, while they, they deserve it, you know, but also I guess Devin Singletary, you know, he's, he's hit his stride. So I don't know. I'm just so excited with like the, the playoff clinching dude. My mind is just doing backflips, but you know, <laughs> really, I can't tell. I think that that whole sentence is really funny, Pat. You're yawning. You're <laughs> talking about mumbling. being so excited. <laughs> like my mind is doing a roll. I think it's good that you're yawning right now, though, talking about the running game, because when the playoffs come around, we hope that's not the formula that we need because it's a snooze fest sometimes. You know, I don't know. I just... As much as I even watched yesterday, when I'm watching Josh run, I'm scared that he's going to get hurt because the dude just doesn't care who's coming at him. He wants to bury them into the ground, which is ever clear by the oh, the Heisman stiff arm that he put on that poor, poor Atlanta Falcons player. But then when Singletary gets the ball, it's like, he just doesn't have the burst of like a Kamara or a Cook or a Henry, but like he's not bad. He's not like a Duke Johnson out there with just like dragon tail. Um, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. I thought he was awesome on, and like when you can, when you can gain yards like that and you're not putting the ball in the air, like, I think that's a good thing and I, not, that right. they, not that they should, but okay. So I guess I didn't get to, to fit in what I, what I thought the reason why all this has came together too. Okay. What do, Cause what do you I, think? I think that there's a couple factors. I think that a Singletary is one of the biggest, his improved play. He's got great vision. He's been running like with a chip on his shoulder and looks like he wants to, he's kind of doing the Zach Moss thing where he's actually seeking contact at some points, but he's good at picking when and how to do that. He he could have like two or three angry runs uh, on GMFB based on this past week. Like, like they were highlight level runs. And I think that the other part too, is what the bills have been doing, what we've been asking them to do. It's pass to set up the run. They opened the game with seven straight passes and what that did was that got the Falcons into lighter boxes. And for the majority of the game, they stayed in those looks, which at that point, it's like you'd be stupid not to run that much. And that's at key. some points, the Bills have struggled to run on light boxes quite a bit this year. So if and if nothing else, like nobody says that you have to run against these huge stacked boxes effectively, you know, because that's that's when you want to pass it. But yeah, so that and I think that Brian Dable really has hit a rhythm with his play calling as well, because once you get the defense doing something, you can set it up for something else. So obviously, like you said, with the RPO, you get the linebackers taking a step back and that's when your, your run game is going to set up well. And also when you're in passing down situations and you're sitting in shotgun and you got Zach Moss sitting next to you, who we all know is the better pass protecting back. You're looking for a pass situation and then you run a draw where all the defensive linemen are upfield and Zach Moss, you know, had, I think, two or three runs over 10 yards, 7.8 average yards per carry on five carries for 39 yards. And so everything just set up perfectly because of 
offensive line play and Devin Singletary, which were obviously contributors. But I think that Brian Dable's rhythm was really important to that as well. What you just said, though, is kind of what I'm saying is I think Singletary benefited from being on a good team more than he brings his talent to elevate the current team that he's on. Is that an insult? Am I insulting him by saying that? No, I mean, I think that's 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 it'd be. We'd be doing ourselves a disservice if we weren't honest about our own team like that because we see running backs like Dearness Johnson behind a good offensive line um, do really well. And you don't have to be an amazing back. And we've seen backs that we thought were generational talents like Le'Veon Bell struggle when he wasn't behind the Steelers offensive line that he had so much success with. So I don't think it's going too far to attribute running back success to offensive line play, but that's not what if Zach that Moss got the same amount of carries? Like, what if Zach Moss gets 24 carries? How many yards does he? Probably not up? as much. I think that Singletary has played, has outplayed Zach Moss by far. And I think that the, the mix that they've come to at this point was, was perfect. Like where they're sitting right now, given Zach Moss five, five carries a game in, in unsuspecting circumstances. Cause Zach Moss has historically faced heavier boxes than uh, Devin Singletary too. So it was hard to, uh, to compare them. But so what do you think if because uh, you said bell cow, right? I said 20 handoffs. If Singletary got 23, well, there was 43 total carries for like 200 and something yards. Right. And what? Seven of those are Josh. I think that's what the stat uh, line Josh, was. Josh had 15 oh, rushes. Wow. Not all of those are designed. Obviously, he was okay. 15 for 81 on the ground, well, which. I think I think the point I'm looking for here is just like give Moss three, give Singletary fifteen, and give Brita four, and I'm cool with well, twenty one. <laughs> Let everybody else throw the ball. This is another topic that I had written down, um, and we can kind of get into this now. But seeing as how I mean Brita was inactive, correct? Because he fumbled. He's probably not going to touch the field again. I don't even know if it was because he's fumbled. I think that. They wanted Zach Moss's skill set for this game. And my my question is, does the weather impact which of those backs you activate if you can only activate one? Because I think it does. Yeah. Because if you're if you're playing in the snow, I would much rather have Zach Moss and why though? Pass protection. Pass protection and goal line situations. I think Singletary did all right with pass protection yesterday. He when did, he was but asked to, Zach, when he was Zach asked Moss to. is is generally a little bit better at that. Okay. Um, you know, Singletary is also better at you know sneaking out of the the backfield in the flat. But I I think that I think that Moss's skill set brings adds more than than Breida does uh, in, in that kind of game. Only if we're but, utilizing McKenzie's speed, though. Like we gotta utilize the other parts on the chessboard to make Moss fit the way that he should. Does that make yeah. sense? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, for okay. sure. But I think this game this game showed you why you want a Zach Moss in this game. Yeah, I'm not hating really, him. He had a couple of really tough runs. He had a couple of 10-plus yard runs. I mean, I'm not saying the guy's fantastic, but he, no, he I definitely think showed his worth for this game. There's probably five carries from Singletary and maybe three from Moss, three out of his five, that are like, oh, this guy, his talent got him the extra yards, right? The Singletary churning his legs. Uh, you know, he carried some dudes, but it's not like every play. It's not like Derrick Henry's trucking everybody. You know, I just, I'm never right. going to be hype on running backs ever again because I loved 
the drought Bills running game. Like, and this is this is what I was gonna say. Shady McCoy, like when we lead the league in rushing for four years in a row, and I know it's situational. This is such a this is such a weird hill to die on. But like uh <laughs> Shady McCoy said that like some guys are better in snow and some guys are are worse in snow, but people like him that had the quick feet and it's like one cut gone are better than somebody like a the you know like more of a side to side runner. I don't know. Yeah. And he was Shady, a side to side runner. He was, but he was amazing in the snow. For some reason Shady was Shady looked like he was out there on a snowmobile while everybody was, you know, pulling sleds it's around. It's well documented. Now. He's like one of the best snow players of all time. Yeah. Even in Philly. I mean, yeah, exactly. He had he had a, one big snow game in Philly that I can remember and then obviously the Colts game here in Buffalo and and a couple other ones, but I don't know. I think it'll be interesting, but I if I were a betting person, which I'm not for this, but um if I, I were that, I, <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, tune into our betting podcast on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> if Brandon's we bets. were betters. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if we were better betters. Um but I, I would bet that Moss is the is the back that they keep active the rest of the way because I, I just think that his uh, Brita's speed does bring an element, but I think you can get that element with Isaiah McKenzie. And those two, maybe three handoffs that Brita would be getting, you you might even see that from Isaiah McKenzie. Because that's fine. Isaiah McKenzie had one rush on a handoff and in a couple other instances was the back in an RPO situation. Or the read option, whichever one of those two it was. Which is cool. Josh, I'm glad that Josh they finally handed did that. it to him. We've been yeah. calling for that for a long time. Yeah. And they didn't run show. any jets. They didn't yeah, they didn't run any jet sweep to um to Isaiah McKenzie, but that's all right. I don't, I don't think field. they did. No, no they, they, they motioned him a lot though. One carry for three yards. Yeah, exactly. The Isaiah McKenzie uh jet motion is great for getting linebackers' eyes to move all over the place and you know, it's good to have that going also all the time so that when you do want to run the jet sweep, they're conditioned to see it all the time and they're not going to key on it as easily. But anyway, also, I wanted to talk about um, we haven't heard much about the cornerbacks uh, since Trey White has gone down. I, I think that's a good thing. A, they've done a good job yes. like I, like they have. But I think B, they haven't really faced anybody with elite wide receivers since Tampa Bay. So I, I just want to say, I hope that that doesn't become a storyline in the off season. If, if, if they get burned a little bit, but I just, I think you have to give so much of that credit to Leslie Frazier and the safeties, because this is absolutely like an elite pass defense. And I know there's a lot of Bills Mafia who thought that, you know, they'd be giving up 300 yards a game after, after Trey went down. And that very well could have happened because he's that kind of talent. Um, but give Dane Jackson credit, give the safeties credit. Like it's it's all been good so far. They haven't given up very many passing touchdowns at all. I think Dane Jackson said it um, in a conference or an interview. He said that Trey White took Levi Wallace and like understudied him. Right? Like these are the coverages. This is what you roll. This is his own. Like really on the film room. Like Trey was really good at that. And now that Trey's not there. Dean Jackson said Levi Wallace is the number one football IQ guy in the film room. What you have to do, where you have to go. And he has been pulling Dean Jackson along. He, he literally said it. Dean's like, you know, I, this is new. And Levi has been the veteran here. And he's an absolute asset 
in the locker room. And I that I've always liked Levi Wallace. We've talked about this also on this show. Um, my orange cat was almost named Wally and Levi because of him. Um, but it, I really think he's an asset to this team. He really he benefits the players around him. He makes everybody better. And being a guy who's got thrown at opposite of Trey White is such a hard job. And he, he's done so well. You know, you got a guy like a number one corner, Trayvon Diggs. He's allowed over a thousand yards in coverage against his receivers, but he might lead the league in interceptions. But then you got Levi who's got like 480 yards thrown against him all season. And it's like, wow, that's a, that, it's not all fair. Cause he might not play as much one-on-one cause they play his own scheme generally, but it just shows that he, he is an asset. And I think that do not sleep on Levi Wallace. And I hope that we can bring him back. Just think that like the thing with Levi Wallace too, is that, you know, he's someone that he, he doesn't miss a lot of games either. You know what I mean? And in four years is a bill. Um, you know, he's, he's only missed four games. So I, I think that like Brandon said, he, he's had a lot of time to grow and develop and you no know, props to Trey for, you know, getting him to that point. So I don't know. I just, I, I really think he's, he's very underrated. And for you fans that remember um, his, uh, well, they called it a touchdown, but his interception against the Jaguars in what, 2018 had one of the coolest fights of all time. But anyways. Oh, I forgot that that was the play that, that sparked that, but Levi Wallace, to me, he reminds me of one of those really savvy veterans who, you know, at one time was an elite corner. I'm talking about the veterans here um, that get old a little bit and they lose a step compared to some of the younger corners in the game. But their football IQ is enough to keep them at a level where they're still, you know, starter caliber in, in the league. Like, you know, like these days, like a Richard Sherman, like Richard Sherman is not nearly as fast as any of these young guys, but he's got the football IQ to still be on a field, you know. I think and, Richard Sermon is is a high praise for Levi Wallace, but uh, I I'm, get I'm what you're saying. saying. I get what you're saying. I'm not saying he's a Richard Sherman in his prime. I'm saying he's like Richard Sherman now. You yeah. know, you know what? Richard Sherman played safety now. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, he's been playing. Anyway, safety. I'm just I'm just saying like his football IQ is enough to make up for the shortcomings of his athleticism, which yeah. is is pretty cool. Obviously, he doesn't have some of the traits that these you know, drafted corners have, you know, he's undrafted out of Alabama and which is also, I didn't know that either. And it's like, Oh, no wonder this guy's a pro. He's just been in Alabama before. Like, and not only was he at Alabama, Alabama. he walked on at Alabama. Good job, Pat. Yes. He walked on at Alabama, walked onto the bills three years in a row, walks on, and he, we can't get rid of him, man. I like this guy. He's a leech, <laughs> leech him on to our defense. I'm cool with it. Oh, sweet. Uh, I think that just about wraps it up for Falcons breakdown. Brenny, you want to introduce our little ticket giveaway that we're doing this week? We have acquired two tickets to this game where you could see the Buffalo Bills clinch the AFC East, uh, clinch the divisional home playoff round. Uh, the Bills have not clinched a division title at home, I think, since 92. They said because of the other ones last year was at Pittsburgh and uh, we remember the Ravens game very clearly. Right. Last Uh, last year was at at Denver, right? Oh, Denver. Yeah. The previous year was Pittsburgh, right? Because it was after. Yeah. And was it Sunday or Monday night football? So um, I have acquired two tickets to give away for this show. Uh, Two lucky listeners 
um, to attend this game. Not only could it be an AFC East championship for us, but there's a lot of team records on the line. I know Stefan Diggs and Dawson Knox are both real close to their records, personal career records and receiving touchdown marks. And, uh, you know, Josh already has all the records from last year, but he's chasing those down. Um, so, you know, it's a fun atmosphere to be in these late games. It's tough. It's cold. Everybody out there is there for the love of the game, right? They love the bills. So they get to go. Um, so, uh, John, would you like to tell us how to enter into the giveaway for these tickets? Uh, sure. You can just, uh, if you go to our Twitter page and click our bio link, uh, we'll have a little, uh, button in there on our bio link where you can sign up and just, uh, enter your email basically. And, uh, I might have a little checkbox there to see if you want to opt into our mailing list. We haven't, we haven't started a mailing list, but we figured, you know, what better time than now. So yeah, that'll be up by the time this episode comes out. They're Uh, section 222 quality seats. Uh, you know, the best that I can do. That's a club level, right? Uh, it's near the club level. It's not club level seats. Okay. I I can't remember if they, uh, what what the the hundred numbers are there? I believe you go to the back of the end zone and climb up, like you go down the hundred levels, but you go up to the two hundred. Climb up the the goalposts in the back of the end zone. <laughs> I That's- you know what? This is the seat. I'm not I'm not condoning or encouraging, but you know, there was there was a wink in there for this Says audio who? only podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I just, I want to give these tickets away. You know, maybe somebody's first time Bills game or somebody, you know, not fortunate enough to be able to come to the game or just a listener, you know, prove to us that somebody actually listens 27 minutes into this episode, right? Sweet. All right. uh, We're going to take a break really quick. And uh, when we get back, we'll get in a Sabres update and uh, we'll do, we won't do very much Jets preview because obviously uh, not a significant matchup issue there. Um, but we'll talk about AFC playoff picture stuff and uh, where the Bills are kind of end up at the end of this weekend. So we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for the Weekly Sabres Update. Breaking news. Actually, it's not breaking news. If you've ever watched hockey since maybe 2010, you know Brad Marchand's a f- This has been your weekly Sabres update. He's the only guy I've ever seen to bite somebody in a fight or just slew foot somebody or slash them in their balls or just, you know, he's a rat. 
And I would love the Sabres to draft him, but like I really don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> who's the uh who's the commissioner in the NHL on on player safety or, or who who hands out the fines? Do they don't even know. They don't even know. Oh, I forget. No, it's this George guy Peros, Chris Pronger. Yes, George George Peros. That's changes because they all he are. A, wasn't he a famously like dirty player? Dude, they're all inept, man. They're all f-ing cross checkers. They're all dirty little clutch and grabs, slashing behind the whistle. These guys, Chris Pronger ended careers. Like Peros wrecked people. These guys are disciplinarians, man. No. No, you got guys doing coke in the bathroom in LA. You got guys just, you know, it, it's ridiculous. The disciplinary in the NHL is the most inconsistent thing ever. Yeah. NHL is definitely still the, the joke league and uh, <sighs> Brad Marchand isn't going to get suspended anytime soon. So unfortunately, but anyway, moving on to the league that we all love. The The game this weekend got moved to 425 Eastern. Uh, it'll be played at the same time as Finn's Pats. So we don't get the chance to watch the Patriots lose and then rest our starters, unfortunately, and still win the division. <laughs> Um, looking right now, I've heard different, um, things from different places. Some places say that the most likely seed for the bills is three and some say it's a four. Um, but basically what would be involved with being a three seed is either Cincinnati or Kansas city has to lose. So Kansas city is going up against Denver. So I honestly don't see that happening. And Cincinnati's going up against Cleveland. So the only way I see that happening is if, if Cincinnati decides that they don't care about their seeding because they've got the division locked up already. But honestly, so so if both those teams win, even if the Bills win, they're going to end up as a four seed, which, I mean, isn't a big deal when the division. Uh, but these are the most likely first round opponents. Uh, these probabilities, Sal tweeted them out. I forgot where he got them from, but most likely opponent right now is the Patriots at 33%. Next is Colts at 28%, Raiders at 27%, Chargers at 7%, Chiefs at 3%, Steelers at 1%, and less than 1% is Bengals, Titans, or Ravens. So who do, really? who do you guys want out of those? Out of those, Who would you want to face first round of the playoffs out of those picks? All but Colts, honestly. No offense, but... No, yeah. I, I think most people would hold that sentiment. Brandon, what about you? Well, hang on. Quick tidbit here. I thought it was funny. I believe... So if the Colts lose to the Jags and the Raiders and the Chargers are playing, both teams get in to the playoffs with a tie. Right. Oh, and they this. play Sunday night. I don't know if you saw... I saw this on Twitter. I don't know who tweeted it. But like it... I, it oversensoried my brain because I was just thinking like if I was a coach and the other coach came up to me and was like, we're going to hand the ball off every play this game. Because if we tie, we both go to the playoffs and somebody else doesn't. Right. So what do you do if you're, you're the head coach? What do you do? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you get expelled for the NFL from game fixing, but I don't know. Cause um, it, it does the losing team miss if yes, if I'm almost positive. Loses? I'm almost yeah. positive. The losing team misses. And just sit there and kneel down for four quarters. I read somewhere that this happened in a soccer league in Europe that uh, caused a huge thing. Like it was a huge integrity to the sport. Um, uh, and it was in European soccer. It was like both teams needed a point to stay out of re- regulation. I should look it up before I start talking out of my ass. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. I just saw the headline, but I guess that happened in Europe and it was like a huge issue. 
And that's why, you know, you get the, the games flexed like New England and Miami. So they all try to play them at the same time. So you don't know going into that last week what the outcome is. Right. Well, but, I could say if John Gruden was still coaching, then he definitely wouldn't do it because he probably wouldn't have figured out the math on that. Fair. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. Sorry to distract you, it but is. I don't know. For uh, for opponent that I don't want, probably the Bengals. I know it's not a lot to get them, but Bengals and Coles. I don't really want to play Joe Burrow right now. Um, they have some good weapons, Joe Mixon. They they are quite the well-rounded team, and they could throw punches and they could match up well against us with a good running back and some good receivers and a quarterback that's got an arm that's just like a torch on fire right now. So um, I would take them in the division or AFC. You know, we could reignite that rivalry back in the late '80s, '90s. But I'm just uh, steer me away from those two teams. And give me the Patriots and Titans for the first two rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Titans are most likely going to come out of this with the one seed if they can beat the Texans, which they failed to do the first time. So, I mean, who knows how this week is going to end up. But honestly, I'm like, there's so many scenarios that that could happen here because it it gets even more mind boggling when you start to think about second round of the playoffs who you'd want to face and how your seed would help or hurt that. Because if you theoretically, if you wanted to face the Titans in the second round of the playoffs and come to Nashville, which I think would be the most favorable matchup and it'd almost be a home game because you know that Bill's mafia loves coming to Nashville. Like I was at the last game and half the stadium was, was Bill's fans. And I think for a playoff game, it'd be even more than that. But the, your best chance of facing the Titans is having a lower seed because it's the lowest remaining seed that goes to the one seed. So you don't have a shot at that if you're the three seed. But if you're the four seed and the five and the six and the seven seeds all lose, then you're the lowest remaining seed. So two, three, four are the, the, the remaining seeds. So that's the only way you could go to the Titans for the second round as a four seed. So maybe if they do end up being the four seed, which I... In my mind, it's the most likely there's there's a chance for that. But yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I got to pull up the ESPN playoff machine really quick. As long as we get our home game. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one. that's an important first step. But, you know, I don't I don't want to get too far ahead of... Well, I actually love getting ahead of myself. The team can't look past its next game, but I can. So, <laughs> okay. So, if we're looking at... This is most likely a scenario by win percentage um, on the ESPN playoff machine. So this is like the simulated finish this season. Uh, Tennessee uh, would get the first seed, Kansas City second seed, third seed, um, the Bengals, and then Bills would get the fourth seed. So New England would come to Buffalo, uh, Indianapolis would go to Cincinnati, and the Chargers would go to Kansas City. So in that I mean, scenario, it's plausible that the three lower seeds lose those games. I mean, you're looking at Buffalo beating New England. You're looking at Cincinnati beating the Colts, which is not too far out of the question. I think those teams would be an interesting matchup. And then the Chiefs beating Los Angeles is, I think, all but a foregone conclusion at this point. Um, I mean, anything can happen in the playoffs. but And then you're looking at a divisional round matchup with the Titans in Nashville, which I think is favorable. And you've got Cincinnati facing Kansas City. I mean, you're not going to host the AFC Championship game as a fourth seed in that scenario. And that's that's getting three weeks into the playoffs because there is a scenario where if you're the three seed 
and you're the highest remaining seed, you could host the AFC Championship. Uh, like, remember last year, we were the two seed, and if Cleveland would have beat Kansas City, it would have been they in Buffalo. Almost but they almost did. Almost. Gosh, you guys are on the yawn train. You guys need to do like five Dude, hour interviews before this episode. 42 minutes past my bedtime. <laughs> well, I've been on okay. that Mr. H schedule too, man. I don't know. It, you feel good in the mornings, but like no. anytime after 8.30, you're just like, I, I feel like my mom. I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening, but like honestly, though, <laughs> that bedtime train. <laughs> I feel like I, I have a functionality clock between 9 a.m. and 1 and then it's it's downhill and i hope <laughs> that you know the bills don't have that function because their game got moved from one to four which is kind of <laughs> kind of a pain for my bedtime guys god nfl brandon habermas needs to sleep by 9 p.m like but you know when you look down the rabbit hole like that in the playoffs it, it gives me anxiety because not only are we looking at you know who wins who who beats who but like Thinking about a potential weather AFC championship game like December 31st. No, it would be like the week before that. December 26th. January. January. Yeah, January. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, January 25th, 26th. It's going to be so cold and so not good weather for this game. And like, I don't care. I will die on this hill that we need a dome in Buffalo. Just put it on now. There's got to be somewhere that can just like cut a dome in half and plop it on. Like if the Simpsons can do it in like two hours, then we could do it. Like, I like this. You should bring this to the state immediately. <laughs> I just dude, <laughs> I, and it's never going to happen. It's never. No, it, it's not. It's really unfortunate too. Cause even if they, even if today they approved a dome, we'd, it'd be 2027 before they played in it, you know? So I, I think that it'll be, I'm glad we have Josh Allen because he is the guy who can throw in the snow and if Aaron Rodgers can do it and with his goofy haircut, I'm I'm sure that I'm sure that Josh can. So some may say he looks distinguished. <laughs> Silver Fox yes. I like how you ended that sentence. They just keep it right there. All right, Pat, you gotta you gotta hear over the drought for us. Well, I'll tell you what, my stomach was doing butterflies earlier. I was so hyped up on Sunday that we're forgetting about heroes of the droughts for a minute okay yes. we're gonna do a hero of the streak that's right i'm talking Hell about a yeah. player who's been I on like the squad energy for the past five years okay you know four out of five runs in the dance some may call it all right i'm gonna read off some facts boys and um y- you tell me what you think all right please remove your hats lift your drink and shut your trap as we salute this week's hero of the streak This hero, I mean, he's born on April 26, 1994. Um, He's from Rahway, New Jersey. Um, He went to school out there in Jersey. As a high school senior, he originally committed to University of Cincinnati, but later chose Temple. Also a fun fact, uh, alma mater of Bill Cosby, who also did play on the Temple football team. All right, so um, four-year starter at Temple, um, started 41 of 44 career games. Um, All-American Conference in 2016. Um, Another strange coincidence, um, this player was drafted exactly 100 picks before Mr. Matthew Milano um, in that 2017 draft. There's a couple here that I have to like word very cautiously because I don't want to give it away. Um, 
This player earned extra money as a child shoveling driveways during the Jersey winters. Um, he is a public writer active with the NFL Players Tribune. He has a, a passion for criminal justice reform after his brother was incarcerated due to a parole violation. And um, I can't give you any more because uh, I think you guys already know. But. You mean you already know? Yeah, right. <laughs> let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Also, he has a foundation in Buffalo, which he's very active in. It's called Dion's Dreamers. Um, it is founded with the goal of providing mentorship and support to young men, women in underserved communities. Uh, I have worked with Dion's Dreamers before we've met him. We, we worked in an event and he's just great in the community. Talks to everybody that will listen to him. He'll listen to everybody that will talk. Yeah. Uh, we know what you meant. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just Dion's wants- out on the street trying to get people to listen to what he has to say. <laughs> you already know. Why would you listen? <laughs> oh, man. But, that piece that he wrote for the Players' Tribune was really awesome. Was that last offseason? Or yeah, last year during the season, maybe? I think. After they broke yeah, the drought? It was like heading into... No, I think it was heading into the playoffs. Or maybe it was after the... Was it? The Texans lost? I don't remember. Sometime within the last two years. Yeah, I want to say it was the... Was it at the end of last season? Or like right before the playoffs? Because... I thought it was heading into stuff. the playoffs because I remember getting amped yeah. up reading well, it. Well, there was but, a lot of amp up stuff too with like the Steve Tasker. It might get chilly. So that would, that would make sense. Yeah. But. Oh man, I'm looking forward to those videos. I hope that I hope that <laughs> Buffalo Bills media team puts out a couple of those. Dude, Steve Tasker will do it on his own, man. He doesn't need no team. I was gonna say something else about Dion. Oh, I was gonna say Dion. I love the mac and cheese comment. Right, that was funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. But just the, every interaction, you know, he just seems like a quality guy, at least on the surface level, from what I've seen. So, uh, and we play a lot better when he's on the field. You know, he's a. Uh, I think he's paid as like the 11th highest left tackle in the league. And I think he's the 11th, 10th, 9th, 8th, 7th best left tackle in the league. Probably, he, you know, he's, he fits the mold of a player on this team that homegrown drafted, developed, and hopefully, you know, a future wall of famer when we win a super bowl. Well, sweet. I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to Buffalo rumblings to um, and Anthony Marino and, and the whole team over there. Uh, Anthony did a like a BBR episode where he was thinking all the uh, like the shows and stuff like that on like New Year's Eve. Shouted us out in particular because we were one of the new shows that yeah, that you said good on, stuff, so. not bad stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not boring. I don't. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, according to one podcast review, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thanks to all the guys at Buffalo Rumblings. And thanks for you know putting us on your network even though we're just three joe schmoes who decided to start a podcast at the beginning of the season so we're, we're having a lot of fun so hopefully you guys listening are too and uh you know hopefully hopefully you guys aren't yawning through it like like pat is some episodes so <laughs> uh, yeah, we both are man uh, we do these we do these pretty late on monday nights um and then i and then i do the editing on uh on tuesday morning so it's always uh it's always a grind getting through it but Appreciate you guys. A grind, man. I'll say this till the day that I die. We get to sit and talk about the bills with bros that I've known for 10 years, man. I'll do it at three. 10 years? Dude, that's an undercut. I know. I just, I don't even know why I said 10 because it's like 22 now. Like, I don't even know. Pat and I were hanging out when I was three and he was two. And Brandon, you and I went to kindergarten together and have been friends. Dude, we went to preschool together. Oh, that's right. You're right. 
<laughs> so one before that, that's four. Yeah. So so I'm what are we, twenty six or so twenty two years? Wow. Yeah. I think yeah. that's probably just we didn't want to come to to grips with the age number when when Brandon was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're good. Ten ten years. All right, boys. Well, hope you guys had a happy new year and uh, and a good Christmas and stuff like that. Uh, hopefully hopefully in twenty twenty two we uh just keep the show going. <laughs> that's all we're trying if to if do we raise a banner, you know. Our banner will say survived didn't get kicked off of bumble buffalo rumble bumble. we did get kicked off a of bumble oh, no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> oh that's hilarious yo i don't know if you hear but sometimes they sponsor our shows wait bumble yeah sponsors this maybe show. two maybe two shows it's it's location based so i get different uh, ads than you guys okay. do well, I got an ad for Bumble on one of them. That's nice. Wild. Well, that's that's a you thing, not a uh, Buffalo Rumblings. <laughs> well, that's like Buffalo Rumblings, assuming that like you're a single male listening. If you, if you if you know what I mean, you take right. time out of your day to listen uh, to it. Uh, I laugh so hard general, when Facebook thinks that. Yeah, right. <laughs> but all right, boys, have a good one. Keep it take real, care, and uh, we'll be back on Friday uh, for Brando's bets and our game picks. That's the other yes, thing we do on yes. Friday. Took me a second. And Final reminder, get the giveaway tickets in. I want to give them away. All right. I want to give them yep. away before Friday. Yep. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. So if you don't want to take the time to go all the way to Twitter, because we won't be paying the butts for that. Um, but if you want to go to Twitter, it's at not buff podcast. We did us. Uh, I love it. I love talking to y'all. It's been good. All right, guys. Uh, I'll see you on Friday. Take care.